So last Sunday, Laura and I had the enormous privilege of attending the ordination of Alfred, uh, who was one of our uh, ordinands, one of the students at our local um, uh, Trinity uh, College. And we went to Durham Cathedral, which was quite a drive. Some of you had the joy of supporting Rob. How many went to see Rob get done? Lovely. So a few of us went to see Rob as well. It was a lovely service, and the bishop got off to a great start because he didn't wear his pointed hat. He walked up and down and welcomed everybody, and it was really nice. It was a really nice sort of introduction as he talked to people, and he said the most important people in the room were the children. So this morning, we had that kind of sermon this morning from our, from our young people. And of course, it took me back to my ordination as a deacon seven years ago. Now, I don't know about you, do you flick through orders of service before the service starts? Put your hand up if you do. <laughs> That's probably why I have a screen, stop you doing all that sort of thing. Um, so I was flicking through it, and I, I, I saw this reading from Isaiah that we've just heard today. Of course, it was a, a really appropriate reading for someone who was about to go into full-time ministry. But I read it, I felt a real sense that it applies to everyone who follows Jesus. Everybody, not just people ordained. So let's, let's look at that reading in a little more depth. If you've got a Bible, um, I think it, with all these things, it, it, you can take these, these uh, Bible passages and take them out of context. And I think it's really important that you understand the context. So in verse 1 we read that King Uzziah of Judah died after 52 years on the throne. It's a long time, particularly for that age. And it was a time of relative stability. But during his reign, the country had drifted away from God. Remember, they are God's chosen people. And their leader, it's really important, their leader is a follow of God. And of course, if you read through the Kings, if you read through Chronicles, virtually all of them did evil in sight of God, which is why they had all the problems they did. But during his reign, Uzziah had gradually sort of slipped away from his godly behavior. He got off to a great start because um, two kings and two chronicles say this. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. He was an able ruler. He had conquered Judah's enemies. And he had fortified the country and had fortified Jerusalem, which was its capital. And his downfall came as a result of his pride. And what he did is he burnt incense in the temple. This was absolutely forbidden. Only the priest, appointed by God, could burn incense in the temple. He put himself effectively above God. And that was his problem. And it said the foundations of the temple shook when he did this, and light came into the building through the cracks, and Uzziah contracted leprosy. That's 2 Chronicles 26, if you want to look it up later. I'm sure you do. It's an important context because this was the end of an era. The superpowers of the day, which were Assyria, Babylon, and Egypt, they were doing things, but not particularly to Israel and Judah. And actually, Egypt had been quite asleep. They'd been, they were a superpower, and now they weren't quite such a superpower at that time. The Assyrians, uh, they had risen, and now is the Babylonians' turn. Remember when our queen died, we felt, and she'd been on the throne so long, that felt like an era, didn't it? It felt like a period of great stability, and that's what's happened here. And there are great parallels with today, aren't there? So we live in an age of uncertainty. We've got a major war virtually on our doorstep, and that's affecting everything. 
It's affecting not only those people who are going through that terrible time, but it's affecting all of us. We've got refugees pouring from North Africa, the Middle East, Ukraine and places, and they're coming overhead. The terrible tragedies of people dying in those boats. And then we have, on top of that, economic difficulties. So that's what it was like in Isaiah's time. And Isaiah is in the temple, and he sees this incredible vision. Now, to us, it looks, you know, almost unfathomable, doesn't it? But God is surrounded. He He sees God. And he sees he's surrounded by heavenly beings, the seraphs. And they're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord my, oh God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. Well, I think I'd probably faint. Would you faint? Probably. Most people cover their eyes when they see an angel or God. The word seraph, by the way, um, means burning ones. You will notice they cover their faces from the brighter light of God. And they also cover their feet. And that's a mark of uh, submission to God. Covering your feet was a mark of humility. The sheer glory of God's presence make, makes Isaiah instantly aware of his own shortcomings and the seals, sins of his fellow Israelites. I suspect he is terrified when he says, Woe to me! I am ruined! I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Wow. What I like about what Isaiah says is he identifies himself as a faulted human being. It's not, he's not above anybody else. I'm not above anybody else here. I'm a broken, broken, sinful person. And then the seraphs do something rather strange. They come with this live coal and they touch his mouth. And they say, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Because God wants him to be pure of heart before he starts his mission. I often say, I love confession. I love confession. That's why I'm an Anglican. Love confession. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, you look do. <laughs> Get excited. <laughs> because confession is our opportunity each week to get right with God. And that is so important. And this is what God has done with Isaiah. He's purified him, ready for his task. Then the Lord speaks, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And, I respond, and Isaiah responds, Here I am, send me. The commentaries talk about Isaiah's willingness to volunteer for the task ahead. I love this morning when Esther picked on volunteers. It reminded me when I was in the army. And the sergeant said, I want three volunteers. You, you, and you. Up to the guard room, now. It reminded me of all that. And Esther did a brilliant job. Maybe she'll be a sergeant major one day. (laughs) And his role, the role he'd been called for, was to speak out against the sin of the people of Judah. But hold on. Don't, didn't stop at Judah. Babylon. He speaks against Babylon, Assyria, the Philistines, Moab, Syria and Israel, Ethiopia, Egypt, Cush, Babylon, Edom, Arabia, Jerusalem, Tyre. 
In other words, pretty well all of the Middle East and North Africa. And he said, send me, knowing how difficult his calling was going to be. Now we've just finalized a series on Acts of the Apostles. People who were similarly equipped and sent. Apostle comes from the word, the Greek word, apostos. Is that right? Somebody's done Greek. Thank you, Greek scholar. Which means person sent. Did you know that? Yes. Phil knew because he studied Greek. <laughs> Throughout the Bible, we read of God calling people, and with a few exceptions, all said yes to his call. The only one I could think of who was a bit reluctant was Jonah, who went exactly the opposite way. Throughout the, and all of them say, said yes. Now, I don't know if you've seen the film The Yes Man. Anybody seen the film Yes Man? You need to get out more. Oh, Laura has, because we saw it together. <laughs> okay, that's good, because I can tell you a little bit of The Yes Man. It's a romantic comedy starring Jim Carrey. And this is the start from the plot of Wikipedia, which is quite accurate for a change. Carl, a bank loan officer, becomes withdrawn since his divorce from Stephanie. He increasingly, has an increasingly negative outlook on his life and routinely ignores his friends, Peter and Rooney. On the advice of an old colleague, Nick, Carl attends a motivational seminar that encourages people to seize the opportunity and say yes. At the seminar, Carl meets inspirational guru, Terence Stamp, who tells him to enter a covenant with the universe and say yes to anything that's asked for him. You got the plot so far? He's got to say yes to anything. As Carl leaves the seminar, a homeless man greets him and asks him for a lift to the local park where he's sleeping. And his friend who's with him says, say yes. So he does, he says, yes. So the guy gets in, he takes him to the park, and he says, have you got any money you could give me? And Carl gets out his wallet, and of course, it's full of dollar bills. This isn't full, full of dollar bills. And he said, oh, could I have it all? And Carl says, yes. <laughs> and he said, oh, I need a mobile phone, could I have your phone? And Carl says, yes. And then he runs out of petrol, and he has to walk to the nearest garage, and he meets a young woman, and romance ensues. It's a really good film. Later on, he's been to this seminar a couple of days later, explains that he has to say yes to everything. So they ask him if he'll pay for all the drinks for the evening. And of course, he has to say yes. And it goes on, I won't spoil it. It's a very, very good film, a very funny film. I wonder what sort of adventures we would have if we said yes to everything. Hmm, I see some raised eyebrows. Mm. But of course, God isn't asking us to say yes to everything. He's asking each one of us to answer his call individually to serve him. The question is, are we yes people for God? Now, I could do a Terence Stamp. Say yes! <laughs> I won't do a Terence Stamp. Isaiah was a yes person. The apostles were yes people. It's a good thing they were yes people because we would have never heard of the gospel otherwise. The Christianity would have finished with Jesus, and that would have been it. Now, I'm, you're sitting here, and you're looking, hmm, not so sure about all this. Christians often express concern about being called by God to serve him. So I've identified three worries. The first one is, 
I don't feel I'm good enough. Isaiah certainly didn't feel good enough. The apostles didn't feel good enough. All through history, God has used faulted and weak human beings to serve him. Jesus is not interested in our perfection. He's only interested in our willingness to follow him. Second one, I don't have many skills. God equips everyone with gifts and skills to build his church and also to go out there and tell others about him. All of us are equipped to do that. And if you don't think you've got any skills, this church is dripping with people who are great at encouragement. Because I wouldn't be standing here if people hadn't encouraged me. I would not have done it. Thank you. I don't feel called, this is the third one, to full-time ordained or lay ministry. Well, I didn't think I was called. I did test it once. I went to a monastery in Worcester. I thought, mm, am I being called to be ordained? And I was raising money for Emmaus at the time. And during that time, I felt, no, I'm not called to be ordained. And then somebody called me and said, oh, just to let you know, one of the trusts gave us 20 grand. I thought, no, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be raising money at the moment. You may or may not be called, but don't rule it out. Don't rule it out. God calls all of us to serve him both within the fellowship of the church and to be ambassadors of the gospel. God wants each one of us to say yes to whatever he has in store for us. He wants each one of us to be a yes person. Sometimes this will take us on a road that we didn't expect. I've got a great friend, a bloke called Paul Hubeck. He actually happens to be a Pentecostal minister. He did his chemistry degree. And then he went to um, theological college um, to become a Pentecostal minister. And he felt his call was to go to Africa. He loved Uganda. He'd been there a few times. And he loved going abroad. And he felt he was an evangelist. And that's what he and his wife were going to do. Uh -uh. No chance. He ended up in the main church in Cardiff. Now, he could have stayed there, and he could have done the sort of, I suppose, the trajectory of uh, a minister in one of those, in that, ordinate, on that, in that um, particular denomination. He could have, it was a big church. He could have gone to another big church. He could have had a, actually a pretty nice life. Uh, no, no. He got sent to a place in Cardiff that has, is still one of the most challenging estates in Britain. And there he went, and there he was sent. And he didn't have a particularly easy time, despite the fact he was a very sparky guy. Uh, the forum, which was the group of all the local authority and the, and the uh, voluntary agencies, excluded him because he was a Christian. He was discriminated against him. And in fact, we had to call that out eventually and threaten them with the discrimination laws. And he served that community, and he and I did something called the Beacon Centre together, a multi... Uh, multi um, dimensional, I suppose, a community centre. Paul's legacy is there's still a church on that estate. That's an amazing legacy. And that Beacon Centre still exists and still serving the people in that community. Paul didn't make it to Africa. He still goes there. He still loves it over there. But that was his trajectory. He's now actually a pastor in Switzerland where his wife comes from. So it might take you on an interesting journey. The question is... Are we up for it? 
what might God be saying to one of us today, or each one of us today? What adventures has he got for us? Is there something on your heart this morning that you feel God is calling you to? And it doesn't matter what age we are, it doesn't matter whether we're fit and healthy, or struggling with our health, what is God calling each one of us today? I'm going to leave you with the Great Commission. And this is the uh, 11 disciples after Jesus had been resurrected and it was time for him to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus said to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. For anybody who belongs to Jesus Christ, that is the Great Commission, and we do need to be reminded of it. And we can do that anywhere. We can do it in our homes, in our, with our neighbors. We can do it uh, in work, uh, being retired, being young, being old. All of us are called to serve the Great Commission. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this Church of St. Matthews. Thank you for all the lovely gifts that you've given us. Thank you for our friendship together. Thank you for our fellowship together. Um, Lord, I pray particularly for your Holy Spirit upon each one of us as we serve you, not only in this place, but serve you out there. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.